Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. My co-host is not here today, but our guest, Jeannie Cunyon, is here, and she is a force, you all. She is an author, a Bible teacher, a speaker. She is so many things. She is a mom to five boys, ages 5 to 25. Yes, you heard that right. And Jeannie loves to make much of Jesus and the power of God's Spirit. And we are going to talk more about that in this episode, and I think it's really going to encourage you. She has a book that just came out in December, a Bible study called Never Alone, Parenting and the Power of the Holy Spirit. We are going to link to that in the show notes. I am stoked about that Bible study. Friends, we are in the second week of our study in the Gospel of John, and we are just going to continue to learn about Jesus and His ministry and His Spirit, and I think that you are going to glean so much from this conversation. It truly encouraged my heart. I needed this conversation today. So let's get right to it. Jeannie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Amanda. Thank you for having me. We're so glad that you're here. I need to tell you, so I know that you just had a Bible study release. By the time this airs, your new Bible study will have been out in the world for a bit. And can I tell you how excited I am about this? Because I have felt my deep need for this Bible study just this morning. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us the title and give us like the 10,000 foot view, like what is this study about? Yeah, well, I resonate with that because nobody (laughs) needed this more than I did, honestly. Um, (laughs) So the Bible study is called Never Alone, Parenting in the Power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's really... Amen. (laughs) Even just the title, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Oh, come Holy Spirit. Um, (laughs) Right? Because if motherhood has taught me anything, it's how much I need God to help me parent the children He's entrusted to me. And with these five boys who are such a gift, um, but I am so underqualified for this. And so I am so grateful that we have the Holy Spirit, the helper, the ultimate helper to help us. So yeah, it's just how can we... um, become more spirit-empowered moms. It's a look at who He is, what He does, uh, why it matters so much. You know, I was raised as a preacher's kid, uh, had been following Jesus since I was eight years old, and there was so much I was missing out on in the Helper. And so as I have come to discover His essential, vital role in my life as as a child of God, as a woman, but also how He helps me in my parenting, how He empowers me to make the gospel beautiful to my kids, but really how that also takes so much pressure off because He is at work in my kids' life. Such a gift. Well, I'm excited about reading some of these next several chapters of the book of John. So if you're just joining us for the first time in a bit, you need to know that we are in the Gospel of John for the new year. Um, We are in week two of our first study of the new year. And so we're reading this this gospel. Last week, we had um, John Tyson on the show. And man, just got to talk about so much good stuff from those first four chapters of John the book of John, as we were talking with John. And um, <laughs> so there were a lot, of, and we were talking about John the Baptist. Oh, there were a lot of Johns happening <laughs> in last week's episode. But, you know, we got to, to look at the parallels between John 1 and Genesis 1, and we got to hmm. look at the ministry of John the Baptist, and we got to look at, you know, what it means that the Son reveal, the Son Jesus reveals God the Father. Just so many 
they're just really rich, like these passages and these chapters, this gospel book of the Bible, which that's the, a gospel with a capital G is is one of those first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are records of the life, um, ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus. And so the good news, gospel means good news. And yes. so, so that is... That's the best news. So that's what we're reading. And so today, this week, um, we start in chapter five, and we're going to read kind of through about midpoint of chapter eight. And so it doesn't sound like, you say, oh, three and a half chapters is not a whole lot. There's a lot. There are not only a lot of verses in these chapters, there's yeah. just a lot going on. And so as usual, we will not be able to touch on all the things, but our hope is that in our conversation that you'll just get kind of some glimpses of what's to come this week and that you just won't want to miss it, right? That you're just going to want to read it all and read along with the She Reads Truth community, the He Reads Truth community. Guys, you are always welcome here. Yeah, so we're picking up in chapter five, and I want us just to read maybe from this this chapter a little bit. And we're going to see over the course of these chapters, there's a lot of just speculation and confusion and general kind of awe and wonderment. Like, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who is Jesus? And we talked about last week, Jeannie, about how um, the... The Gospel of John really is, like, if you had to choose, like, what is the theme, it would be that that Jesus is the Son of God, right? That that this record, this Gospel account, John is very focused on showing who is He? He is the Son of God. He is who He says He is. Yes. And we have we get to see even this week a lot of conversation about this. Like, is is He the Messiah? But the how could this be the Messiah? Like, He's from Nazareth, or like, is He just a good man? He seems like a good man, but also we're really mad about these things that He's doing. Yes. <laughs> so let's get started. What if we read? Jeannie, would you want to kick us off? I'm looking at maybe, what if we do John 5? Let's start with 1 through 7, and then I feel like we're going to need to pause and chat because it's it's just really good. All right. John 5, 1 through 7. After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within these lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Do you know what this reminded me of, this this specific moment? But, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. It reminds me of something we read last week with the woman at the well, mm-hmm. where where Jesus is saying, like, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for living water. And she's like, but you don't have a bucket. <laughs> you don't even you, have a bucket. <laughs> you don't even have a bucket. That's and right. so this man who has been, I mean, 38 years of mm-hmm. physical suffering and ailment. It's almost like he's saying, you know, you're kind to ask, but like, 
I don't have anybody. I've been sitting here for years. Like yes. I don't have anybody to put me into the pool. And even if I did, like somebody gets in front of me, like we've tried this already. Yeah, he's you know? hopeless. He's hopeless. He's hopeless. You don't even have a bucket. <laughs> you don't even have he's, a bucket. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to me as I read this just again now, the question is what jumped off the page at me uh-huh. when Jesus says, do you want to get well? Yeah. Right? And I, and I hear that as even for me now in situations where I bring things to the Lord and, and ask things of the Lord and beg things of the Lord. And, and the question is, do you want to get well? Because sometimes we can be asking for things, but the posture with which we come or the way in which we're living maybe suggests that we know we should get well, but do we really want to get well? Are there, are there just excuses? Um, and I'm not saying that, that we're make, he's making excuses here in this passage, but that question really resonates with me today. Do you want mm-hmm. to get well? Yeah. Are you coming for wellness in certain areas of your life? Is that really the desire and the longing of your heart? Mm-hmm. And Jesus says to him when he says, you know, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. So this pool at Bethesda was thought to have healing properties. So that's why in the colonnades there were just disabled people all the time. And there was a festival happening, so there's even, you know, probably more people around than normal. And so in verse 8, Jesus says to him, get up. Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. I mean, it occurs to me that he doesn't answer Jesus' question. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but he just says, I mean, it's almost like he, like the subtext is almost, I mean, what does it matter if I want to get well? I can't. Yeah. You know, like even the magic water is not going to, you know, it's no good for me. But Jesus says, get up pick up your mat and walk and instantly that's what he does. And then we had a paragraph break and then it said this next paragraph starts. Now that day was the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. This is super important, right? Yep. yep. Because it's and then it keeps going. Now that day was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man, so they didn't see this happen, but they see the man walking around with his mat, which is a big no-no on the Sabbath. Yes. And he says, they, the Jews said to this man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well, he told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you pick up your mat and walk, they asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And I love this. <laughs> It's like, so they're, you know, starting, they're stewing about this now, right? Yeah. And then I love this. After this, Jesus found him in the temple. So Jesus seeks him out and finds him and says, see, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. And the man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. (laughs) Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. There's so much in that paragraph. There's so much. I mean, even (laughs) these things. What are these things? Making people whole? (laughs) Yeah. He was doing that on the Sabbath. Yes. Yeah. And see you were well, do not sin anymore. I mean, there's so much just in that sense, right? right? That the Lord healed him and then commissioned him. Um, And uh, there wasn't the 
the correction or the, you know, if you will not sin anymore, then I will heal you, right? Jesus healed because he heals. That's what he does. Um, And then he commissions him, do not sin anymore, go and, you know, (laughs) and know your freedom, know your healing. And I love that about our Jesus. That Be spiritually well, not just physically well. That's right. Like physically well, like that's, that's great. But the good stuff is the other, right? Yeah. And then he goes and tattletales. (laughs) Yes, he does. It was Jesus. (laughs) It's like it was him that made me well. It's like, wait a second. Did you just throw him under the bus after he healed you? That's not (laughs) nice. He did. He did. Yeah. We will not. We won't read this whole chapter, but I'm t- I, I kind of want to. But look at verse seventeen. So Jesus responded to them. So they're mad at him, right? Like you're doing these things on the Sabbath. They're persecuting him because he's breaking the law, the right. Jewish law. Right. There were a lot of laws, Sabbath laws. I have a note here. It's from the Faith Life Study Bible. We we do a lot of work on um, Logos, mm-hmm. the software. So Our team uses Logos a lot, and so. Anyway, this particular note is from the Faith Life Study Bible. It says, Rabbinic legal tradition defined work according to 39 types of behavior that were forbidden on the Sabbath. Carrying anything out of the house was one of the forbidden activities. So the problem here is not the Sabbath law. <laughs> yeah. The problem here is the missing the point, right? Is putting right. the Sabbath law ahead of the well-being of this man. And so Jesus in verse 17, responds to them, my father is still working and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, Mm -hmm. making himself equal to God. Mic drop. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, because God does not stop his deeds of compassion on the Sabbath. And so in in that way, Jesus is modeling the Father. He's he's modeling the the work of the Father. And and they're angry. They're angry at his, you know, because he's really he's really starting to go into the work of the Father and the will of the Father and uh, making himself equal with the Father. That jumped out to me too in this reading. I just love how scripture, no matter how many times you read it, there is always, always, always something Mm -hmm. new, right? And even Mm in in verse 18, Jesus is making himself equal to God. Right. And they're furious. Yeah. They're so mad because if he's right, if he is the son of God, if he is God on earth, (laughs) then he's right. That because Jewish Tradition would hold that that God is always working, right? That yes. God is always sustain because God sustains the universe. That's right. That God provides for His creation, and that's not a violation of the Sabbath. So, if Jesus is God, then they would have to agree with Him that this is. So they have a lot of they have a lot of problems with what is going on, and you know, I it's easy to just. It's, I, I want to read this and like roll my eyes at them because I'm like, how are you missing the point? Clearly, clearly you're missing the point, right? But I mean, Jeannie, <laughs> we talked about this um, in the, when we studied the book of Acts, that like what things do we put, do we call unclean that God calls clean? Like what things do, mm-hmm. we, do we put as stipulations on the gospel? And I think that that's a conversation we can have here too. It's like what things do we hold even good things, like what do we hold as with equal weight as the gospel? And we get so bogged down by trying to like uh, 
like what we're reading in Scripture right now, to elevate the law, to um, to make the law the life-giving thing. And while the law is life, it is the grace of God that compels us to live the law of God. So just yeah. like in this passage where Jesus heals him and then says, you know, go and sin no more, it is knowing that lavish grace of God that compels us to want to live in accordance with the will of God and the law of God because we can't believe the extent to which he went to rescue us. It compels us. You know, I have a friend who like the word, these words that we're talking about right now, law and obedience. um, She really struggles with these words because she was raised in a very legalistic environment. Right. And yet, one of the beautiful things that have come out of our conversations is recognizing that, yes, that word obedience will feel burdensome until Jesus is beautiful. Mm. When Jesus is beautiful to you, when you know the extent to which Jesus went to rescue yeah. you and redeem you and reconcile you, obedience no longer feels burdensome. Right. The law no longer feels heavy. It feels life-giving because you know it is leading you uh, in the will of God. It is leading you on the path of life. And so, you know, Jesus, He's revealing Himself in these passages as equal to God, as the Son of God, and He is not at all what they're expecting, right? This is, they're like, wait, this is not who we thought you would be, and you're not saying the things we want you to say. Right. And it's making us angry, right? If you go over to John 6, um, where I think it's in verse, I'm going blind, but I think it's verse 60. It says, therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Right. Right? Right. I mean, literally say, this teaching is hard. This is hard. This is hard. Oh, I say that. We say that now. We're not very unlike them, right? This is hard to get. This is hard to accept. Yeah. This is hard to understand. They're struggling. They're doubting. They say, who can accept it? Right. right? It sounds is a lot that like the, us. Is, is that the moment where, oh, yeah, that I is. I mean, I skipped far ahead. I'm sorry. I no, just that's okay. Like- <laughs> that's okay. Because that's the moment after that where it says that from that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no that's longer right. accompanied him. And so Jesus said to the, to the twelve, you don't want to go away too, do you? And this is when Simon Peter answers. I love this. I love Peter. I love that he says, Lord, to whom would we go? Like, where Yes. Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Ugh, yeah. Well, so one of the ways that John in his gospel shows Jesus to be the son of God is by signs, right? Where so yes. miracles, like some of these these big events that we know. So we had last week we had the miracle at the wedding of Cana where Jesus turned water into wine and we had um, some healing. And so in Tuesday's reading, we get the feeding of the 5,000, which you guys, you'll want to read. Um, you're going to want to read all of this this week, as usual. And then the but, fifth sign, the walking on water. Yes, we get the walking on water. So don't, 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 don't miss that. Yeah. But what I'm interested in talking about specifically is how, okay, we know, 
you know, the story of the feeding of the 5,000, where they're all that, you know, crowds at this point are just following Jesus. Everyone is interested. Everyone wants to hear. So they're just following him because he's healing, he's teaching. And, and so this story is about, you know, it's another Jewish festival is upon us. This time it's Passover. And Jesus is looking at this huge crowd, which is even larger than it would be because of the festival, the way that God is using the timing of these festivals. And Jesus is looking at these people going, they're going to be hungry. How are we going to feed them? They're following us. And like, how are we going to feed them? And it's a rhetorical question, right? He's, it even says, it's like, this is a test. <laughs> he wanted to see what they would say. Yep. And they're like, well, I don't know. Like, we don't have enough money to feed. Like, you would, it would take a ton of bread to feed them. I'm uh, clearly, I'm paraphrasing. And so what happens is they have the boy with the fish and loaves, five loaves, two fish, and Jesus takes these and blesses them and distributes them. And not only do they have enough to feed the 5,000 men and women and children who are with them, um, but they, they have, have leftovers. They have baskets left over. And so what the abundance. I, that's right. So the abundance. But what I want to talk about is this symbol of bread. So you get this miracle, this sign, and then we get in the very same chapter, but it's it's a long chapter. Chapter six is a long chapter. But later in the chapter, we get one of Jesus's I am statements. And so another characteristic of the book of John, of the gospel of John, is that John gives us these seven I am statements from Jesus. And there's, if you have your, if you have a She Reads Truth study book for this study, there's a, there's an extra, it's on, let's see. I wrote 63. There it is. It's on page 63, where we go through all the I am statements. And if you really want to dig into the I am statements, we have a study on that, that you can kind of do a la carte if you want. You'll find that in the shop. We'll link to it. But we get the I am statement where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Yes. And so what's so interesting is that, you know, not long ago, like a couple days earlier, he's feeding the 5,000. And then, or maybe it's even the next day, I get, I get lost in the, I think it's only a day or two later. And then he is, we have this moment, Jeannie, where in John 6, um, where Jesus kind of calls out, the people following him, this is what he says in verse 26. Truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Hmm. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. So he's essentially calling them out and saying, you're not really seeking after me, the Messiah in your midst, you're seeking after what I can give you, what I can yes. do for you. Yes. And I mean, goodness, I feel like that is an application rabbit hole that we can for sure go down for a long time. Yeah, yeah so that, I'm hits, gonna, that hits me. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> and like, not only on an individual level of like, why am I actually seeking Jesus? <laughs> but even just as the church, like, what does the world see us going after? Like, what are our motivations and is it is it because yeah. we were seeking after the beautiful one? Is it the gift I'd, of the giver, right? That old expression, yeah. but it still it still hits me every time I hear it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very applicable to to my life now and 
going back to just the abundance of it too, you know, we, mm-hmm. we come seeking, I think, you know, they had expectation and anticipation of the, you know, the actual just physical need being met. And it also hits me that sometimes I expect too little. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that I just, he is so much bigger and his generosity is so much grander. And I can forget that sometimes, that He is a God of abundance. And I don't mean that in material blessing and all of that nonsense, but just abundance and His presence, the Mm -hmm. the presence Mm -hmm. of God, the hope and the joy and the love, the abundance that is Him. Uh, And we we miss that because we maybe we don't know how generous He is, or maybe because like this passage, we come... We come seeking more of what he can do for us rather right. than the other kind of him. abundance. Yes, him. Right. The yeah. other kind and and it's so related in my brain to like, you don't even have a bucket. But sir, like no one can put me in the water. Like we're so focused on what we see as means of provision and of abundance and of the logistics of it all, yes. it's really hard for us, for me, it's really hard for me to truly see God's presence as my ultimate good. You yes. know, there, there's a psalm that says that your presence is my good, and or His presence is my good. And, yes. and I believe that, but I don't know that I believe that that is my best that God's presence is my best. Like that is my my highest good that yeah. I can be given is God's presence. And so that for me, just as a moment of confession, is something that I have to, I mean, even when you, the conversation about parenting, it's like, well, do I, I think, and, and don't hear me say that it's not okay to go to the Lord in our desperation. That's exactly where we should go. Yes. But but that even, you know, the strength that he provides is not the end that we're after. The end is just him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the ultimate end is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to be present with the Lord. Better is um, one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. But yeah. truly, truly, that math actually works with the gospel, right? Yeah. And yet yeah. we're so prone to, like, you can know that truth but not live that truth. Right, that's the that's human right. struggle. Oh, absolutely, that's the human struggle. Every, every moment of every day, I can yes, do that. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I know nothing to be more true than better is one day in your courts yeah. than a thousand elsewhere. And yet, we are tempted. I, you know, I love the the hymn, um, "Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave mm-hmm. the God I love. Here's my yeah. heart, take and seal it, seal it for Thy courts above." And for me, that's a daily prayer. We are so prone to wander, and you know the enemy is very real, and he he knows he knows what uh, lures us, and so we have to be very aware of that, and yeah. and constantly be setting our eyes, asking the Holy Spirit to be setting our eyes back on Jesus, right? Because right. when I try to fix my eyes back on Jesus, you know, in my own strength. It's different than asking the Holy Spirit who was given to me to glorify Jesus through me, asking Him to keep my eyes fixed on the lover of my soul. It's a different thing. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And even in this passage where He says, I am the bread of life, so the context of that statement, so this is John chapter 6, and this is verse 32. And what, what has happened is that 
you know, they're asking for another sign. They're asking for more signs. They want they want to know, like, who is this? And is is he the son of God? Again, it sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? Right. But I'm going to need you to do more. And so verse 32, Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, Moses, because he's saying, what are you going to do to show us where that you're from God? Because our ancestors, for example, <laughs> ate manna in the wilderness. And so he, they're calling on this, this Old Testament, you know, miracle that they knew by heart, right? Yep. How that they're, the people of God were fed in the wilderness with manna from heaven. And in verse 32, Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, and he, you know, he's teeing them up. They took the bait. Yep. Then they said, sir. Give us this bread always. And this is when he says it, verse 35, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, yet you don't believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. Mm. And I mean, and the good news just keeps going, but... He says, you know, I, in verse 47, truly I tell you, anyone who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Yes. And this is also around where he says, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then this, so this is that whole setup for, you know, preceding that moment that you talked about earlier. Like, this teaching is hard <laughs> because yeah. he goes on to say, like, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Yeah. To have, and they're like, what are you talking about? And of course, we know he's talking about his death and resurrection and the life that we get because of his death and resurrection. Yeah, he's talking about that in verses 53 and 54. Yep. And even back a little bit in verse 44, where Jesus answered them, Stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on that last day. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to unpack here. But, you know, Jesus over and over again affirming that he was sent to do the work of the Father and the will of the Father. And and that, you know, through his life and through his death and through his resurrection, they can they can be saved. And this is just this is in some ways unbearable. I mean, he literally says, Stop grumbling among yourselves. It's Mm -hmm. like it's too much for them. Yeah. In their defense, (laughs) in the defense of all the people who were scratching their heads and like, who are you? In chapter seven, we'll read how his own brothers didn't believe that he was the Messiah. And, you know, the title of this reading day, you'll see as you get to it this week, is an unlikely savior. (laughs) Because none of it made sense. You know, like on one hand was very specifically fulfilling the scripture and the prophecies as it had been laid out, you know, in the prophets of the Old Testament. And at the same time, was it anything what they thought it would be? You know, he wasn't anything what they'd imagined. But I love that you mentioned that because it is the fulfillment. I mean, it's right there. He is the he is the exact fulfillment of the prophecy. And so it's everything you would expect. And yet at the same time, nothing that they expected. That's right. Yeah. You know, and there's this constant deferral, like Jesus is constantly, even Jesus is constantly saying, 
my teaching isn't mine. It's from the one who sent me. I'm here to do my father's work. Like I do nothing on my own, but it's I'm the, here for know, his glory. Yeah, that's right. And just yes, this for the glory of the father, this fellowship of the the father and the son and the spirit. Right. This mm-hmm. the Trinity is such a such a mystery and yet so present throughout every inch of this. You know, in in the Gospels. Yeah, from Genesis one to Revelation, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and and this, you know, in chapter seven is also where, and it's it's when he's talking to your brothers because there's another festival. So there's another festival, and at the beginning of chapter seven, it says that Jesus traveled to Galilee. He didn't want to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. The Jewish festival of shelters was near, and so his brothers were like, you know, go so that everyone can see this. It says in verse four, if you do these things, show yourself to the world. Like if you're going to do signs, do them in public so that everyone can know if who you are. And the, it says in parentheses in verse yeah, five, I love this. for not even his brothers believed in him. So they're kind of taunting him, right? Yeah. They're just like, well, why don't you go do all this in public if you're the son of God? And Jesus told them, my time has not yet arrived, but your time is always at hand. The world cannot hate you, but it does hate me because I testify about it, that its works are evil. Go up to the festival yourselves. I'm not coming up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he said these things, he stayed in Galilee. And he does go, but he goes on his own timing, and he goes secretly. Yeah. But this, When the festival was half over, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. Uh-huh. Yeah. And this this concept of like, my time, like he's not... And we know because of the way that he has phrased everything else that, you know, his timing is the Father's timing. And so there's a very real sense of like Jesus being obedient to the Father and, you know, the Father's will, because that's why he came, right? Came to reveal the Father. Came to reveal the Father. Mm-hmm. And then he says, and my te- not only is his timing the same, but this, he says, my teaching isn't mine, but that's it's right. from the one who sent me. Mm-hmm. Which is such an audacious claim. Yes. Like, I'm not just a man standing before you. This is, in verse 12, it says, like, some were saying, he's a good man. Others were saying, no, he's deceiving people. Like, there's so much chatter about Jesus. Like, he's on everyone's radar at this point, which is why he has to be covert, because everything is happening according to a divine plan. And he did come to die, but he has this ministry, this period of teaching and of discipling and of healing and doing these wonders and works to show the kingdom has come to earth. He has that time that is to pass before he allows himself to be taken and, and eventually killed and crucified. So yeah, so this very consistent drumbeat of that I'm here to do the work of the Father and how diligently he sticks to that plan. Listen, friends, I know sometimes it feels like everyone else has it all figured out, especially here at the new year with everyone's plans and resolutions. And it seems like everybody's got their lives together. And here we are struggling just to keep up with the day to day. But I think you know the truth. Nobody has it all together. I don't. Rachel doesn't. We all mess up. We all fall short of the goals we set for ourselves. But I want you to hear this from me. 
If you have set a goal this year to read God's Word consistently, I hope you know that your worth is not tied into how many hours you spend reading every day. We're 10 days into the new year, and it's possible that some of you are already feeling discouraged because it just hasn't looked the way you wanted it to look. But remember, the goal is not perfection. The goal is to keep going, to keep showing up. The goal is to keep opening our Bibles and to meet with God and learn about Him and His Word. If this is something that you want for yourself in this new year, but you don't know where to start, we'd love to help. The She Reads Truth subscription box gives you everything you need to make reading daily a reality. As a subscriber, you get our next study book delivered straight to your door every month, so you never have to plan what to read next or even remember to order your book. Go to shereadstruth.com slash subscribe to sign up today. We can't wait to be women in the Word of God every day with you. You've done, Jeannie, so much work in you know, studying the Holy Spirit. And in chapter 7, there is this beautiful promise. You know, we don't eventually in this study, we're going to get to like, like chapter 14 is kind of the money chapter when it comes to like the promise of the Holy Spirit, right? But we get a promise of the Spirit here in chapter seven. Will you read it for us and then help us unpack that a little bit? I'm looking specifically at verses 37 through 39. Yeah, I'd love to. On the last day and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So beautiful. And loaded, right? <laughs> and loaded. So this is the promise of the Spirit. And just when it says Jesus stood up and cried out, like I just, I see him just believe, you know, just longing for them to know the love of the Father. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. There's this, yes, I don't, desperation to know, the, to have their, their spiritual hunger and thirst fed and quenched. Jesus yes. knows he is, he can do that for him. He longs to do that for him. Right. Uh, right. For them. And the order of what he says is, is such a gospel good news presentation. If anyone is thirsty, so first you're, you've, you've got to be thirsty. Well, that's our condition, right? Yes. We're all thirsty. Yes. Spiritually, physically, like we're all thirsty. Let then too, let him come to me. So be thirsty then come to me and then drink. Mm -hmm. And so, and just like you pointed out when the the man who was healed by the pool at Bethesda, it wasn't, you know, go and sin no more and then you'll be healed. It was, you have an ailment, come to me, let me heal you and then live out of that. Yes. Yeah. Live out of that freedom and healing. And then how? How do we live out of that? He's about to tell us. <laughs> yes, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit. This is really important. Um, mm. You know, the Spirit could not be poured out on all flesh in new covenant fullness until Jesus was exalted yeah. by the Father. 
So the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And that doesn't mean that the Spirit wasn't present. He, oh, he right. was present. That's a great right? distinction. Later, yeah. Jesus says, you already know Him, for He is with you. Right. But I mean, the now Spirit he, was present at Genesis 1-1. Amen. Right? From Genesis, yeah. ho- hovering over the waters. That's right. But there's not this, like, you don't have the Spirit yet, but you will soon. I mean, the Spirit was present in and with Jesus, but yeah. now He was going to live inside them. This was going to be their post-Pentecost promise, and again, we can't, we can't jump to that yet. But for the Spirit had not yet been given, He was not yet living inside them, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But soon Jesus would be exalted by the Father, and in that the Spirit would be poured out into the disciples, the 120 that were there in the upper room at Pentecost waiting for the fulfillment of that promise from the Father, that He would come and indwell them. The Spirit of Christ would now no longer be physically present with them, but He would take up residence inside of them yes. uh, to give them the words and the power to spread the gospel throughout yes. all the world. Yes, that Spirit in us, as as followers of Jesus, that spirit in us is the source. Like he's saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, so those of us who believe in Jesus, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the spirit. The spirit is that living water, that fountain of life within us that nourishes us, that empowers us, that comforts us. It's our counselor. Like the spirit is the source of this life. You know, we have so many moments in the New Testament that where we we talk about living in the spirit and the new man, like having like this new life and walking life in, in the spirit. Step, right. That's right. And walking in step with the spirit, like all of it, the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. Like it's everywhere. Like the concept and the truth of this third person of the Trinity is everywhere and in yet, Scripture, but it's specifically in the New Testament. And yet, yes, go ahead. Yeah, and yet, I mean, this is he, he's introducing the pro- this promise, right, right? This new life. And yet, I think that this is still such a significant part of the salvation narrative that is getting left out. Mm, yeah. So I'll unpack that really quickly, right? Yeah, Meaning, please do. you know, we talk a lot about, and we should, it's the most beautiful news of all that when you put your trust in Jesus, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. When you put your trust in Jesus, you receive eternal life, right? You Amen. are a new creation in Christ. But something else really beautiful happens in that moment. And Jesus is alluding to it here. And we're not talking about, I think we're talking about it more, and that fires me up. But this other really (laughs) beautiful thing that happens in that moment, when you put your trust in Jesus, Mm -hmm. God puts His Spirit in you. At that very moment, you become home to the Holy Spirit, the personal presence of God takes up residence inside of you so that you will have everything you need. Second Peter says yes. ever, maybe it's first Peter. Everything you need, it's it's actually, yeah, it's Second Peter 1 3. You will have everything you need by his divine power mm. to live a godly life. And so because there are so many of us that don't know this precious, priceless gift that we've been given in the person of the Holy Spirit, what happens is we try to go live the Christian life without the power of Christ. 
We try and we can't to live do that, and we can't do it. I mean, even Jesus we're said, incapable. you know, we're incapable. And and when we do, it, it leads to a dry faith, a dull faith. It it leads to feeling distant from God. It leads to believing God is disappointed in you, which is not true. When you and are so much confusion, confusion about you what are, this is, how this is supposed to go. Yes. And so we're trying to live the Christian life without the power of Christ when, you know, Jesus from this moment on, you know, I love that later he says to his disciples, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. Do not go and try and spread the gospel until my spirit has been poured out on you. They needed the spirit then and we need the spirit now. Yeah. That reminds me of um, Moses when Moses says, look, I'm not, we're not going if you don't go with us. Yes. <laughs> we read about Nicodemus in John 3, this is what this reminds me of, where Nicodemus is trying to understand this concept of of being born again, right? This is where we get our phrase that we um, that we talk about in the church of being born again. And Jesus says, this is John 3, 3 that we read last week, truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus says, how can anyone be born when he is old? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. It's well, I'm going to keep going. Don't be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear it sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Yes. So that is, whether we know it or not, that is what happens when we put our faith, like you said, when we put our faith in Jesus there is an indwelling of His Spirit, and we are born again of the Spirit. Yes. And this and is Jesus, our new life. Yeah. You know, I'm skipping around a little bit, but you go back, to yeah. John, go back to John 6, mm-hmm. um, where we were talking about many disciples desert Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus specifically says this, and I, and I think this is really crucial. The Spirit is the one, I think this is verse 63, Jesus said, the Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. Not the at words, all. At all. Like he doesn't say the flesh helps a little. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some among you who don't believe. So so the, the Holy Spirit, He actually reveals truth and then enables a response to the truth, the truth being Jesus Christ. Right. right? So He sparks our faith. He sustains yes. our faith. Um, I'm even thinking about Ephesians 1, 18 through 20, where Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. And he goes on to say, His incomparably great power for us who believe. It is the Holy Spirit who gives life. Um, The Good News Translation says, what gives life is God's Spirit. Human power is no use, of no use at all. So the Holy Spirit is revealing truth right now that we know that. Because listen, we can't save ourselves. No, we can't. We We try real hard. We try real hard, and we can't fix ourselves either, right? So it's the Holy Spirit's work to open the eyes of our heart. It's salvation and it's sanctification. And so this goes back to what we were just saying, right? That the Holy Spirit is so involved. In fact, we can't be born again without the Spirit's involvement. That's right. So, but He also is the one who sanctifies us. 
He is the one who gives us the power. He is the one who produces the fruit. So, so the more we yield to the Spirit's presence, the more we stay in step with the Holy Spirit, the more the fruit of the Spirit, the character of God will be manifested in our lives. But we're trying so hard. I should personalize that. I try so hard to do this in my own strength. Yeah, I do too. I did did um, it this morning. I did just uh, repented of it right before we got on this call. Like, yeah. The self, I, I do it all the, the time. Yeah, in my parenting, in my marriage, in, yeah. in just life in general. And and we can only get ourselves so far, right? The self yeah. can do behavior modification, but the Spirit was given to do heart transformation. And so we're just, uh, we've been given such a gift in what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so, you know, back to where you were with, you know, this was said about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given but Jesus had not been yet glorified. And so Jesus is glorified, and now we have this incredible gift of the Spirit who wants to glorify Jesus in and through your life. He wants to make your life a love song for Jesus. And we don't have to do that in our own strength. We have to yield to the Spirit's presence, and, and this is the beauty that will burst forth. Amen. Amen. I mean, I just, it's just continues. I mean, the hits keep coming, and John, you all are going to read Friday about the light, Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. We've just spent all of Advent studying this concept of light in Scripture and how Jesus is the embodiment of light in a dark world. And this is in John chapter 8 is when he says, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And that, that is an indwelling light that we then get to be light. You know, we talked also in Advent about what it means to live as people of the light. Mm. And so you just are going to have so much good stuff for you all to read this week. Just encourage you to keep going. It's just so stunning to I, see. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So, uh, But I'm looking, and then, so he just makes another I am statement. Like you're saying, That's I right. am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then you hop over to verse 23, and they go, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I think I just told you. <laughs> let me let right? me say it again. And he says exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning. Yes. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. And what I have heard from him, these things I tell the world. You know what? That's what I want. I want the things that I hear from God <laughs> through his word in Jesus, by His Spirit. Like, I want those to be the things I tell the world. Yes. And, you know, I wish that were my default. <laughs> all of the things, all the true things that you've just told us, Jeannie, about living in the power of the Spirit. And, you know, I mean, that's, that is just, that's the Christian life is, it's not our default. Even when we have faith in Jesus, we are still in these bodies. Yes. And we, you know, it is walking. I'm thankful for that image of like be, keeping in step with the Spirit because it yes. really is like a step by step. Yep. You remember the song we used to sing yes. as youngins? Do, do kids still sing that? So I it's hope a Rich so. Mullins. It's a Rich Mullins song. Oh, step by take step. Take me back. You're taking me. me back. 
That's right. We'll have to put the lyrics in. But, um, oh, oh, God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will. I will ever praise you. Yes. (laughs) I will seek you in the morning. I will learn to walk in your ways ways. and step by step you'll lead me, and I will follow you all of my days. And it's an active following. Yeah, that verse is the same one that the Holy Spirit just brought to mind for me, that Galatians 5, as you talk about the battle, because... You know, stay in step with the Spirit. Um, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And I love the so that. So that you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. Yeah. Right? Because, because we have the other in- stuff to do. Yeah, he we goes on to say for that. These, two, <laughs> these two forces are always battling each other. This is the reality. So you're talking about the reality of life on this side of heaven. So let right. the Holy Spirit guide your life so that you won't be doing what does the sinful nature crave? Well, one of the things the sinful nature craves is to do it in our own strength, right? Yeah. Yeah. So these two forces are always battling each other. But if we will yield, if we will obey, if we will follow, we will stay in step and we will daily, we need that filling daily, right? Be filled. That's a daily invitation, daily command. Be filled with the power of God, with the power of Christ, so that your life might be that light, that the yeah, light inside of you right. would shine brightly and others would ask, tell me about your Jesus, right? Because isn't that the whole point, just like the disciples in the that's book the of Acts, point. right? Anything they did, any miracle, any time they spoke, it was, and the people would say, well, how do we get what you have or tell us more? Their goal was always, their response was always, and I'm paraphrasing, let me tell you about my Jesus. It's always and only about Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Jesus. This Jesus. As we read in, in Acts, like this Jesus. I loved that conversation. That, that was real too. good. I'm so grateful, and I'm so grateful for these reminders that, you know, that being in step, that's where the abundance is, that mm-hmm. that's not the means to the abundance, that actually is the abundance, like being yeah. in step with the Spirit and this life with Jesus. You all, I'm so excited for you to read these passages. Um, it's the God's Word is just going to it's gonna blow your mind. It's going to encourage your heart. It's going to convict your hearts. Um, and it's good. It's good and it's true. Jeannie, I'm so glad that you are here for this conversation. You know, because you listen to the Shiri's Truth podcast from time to time, that we like to spend an hour looking at the beauty, goodness, and truth that we find in Scripture. And then, if we have time, we love to ask our guests, where in your life are you seeing beauty, goodness, and or truth that is pointing you to Jesus? I am learning to see, I am learning to look for beauty and goodness because we are, to be completely honest, in a hard season in life. There is a lot of uncertainty and a lot of prayers that I am praying groaning <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is groaning right. with me. And the Lord is teaching me to to look for beauty, to look for goodness. And that's really for me in tracing faithfulness. That's how I'm doing it right oh, now. Oh, I love that. You have been faithful before and you will be faithful again. And I will wait on you because you have never not been faithful. And so it's really tracing faithfulness for me right now has been a, a daily practice that is feeding me and helping me find His beauty and goodness. I love that. How do you do that? Do you just kind of sit quietly and think about that, like ponder or meditate on that? Do you like write it out? I'm 
I, I just have feel, to write it out because my yeah. brain is like ding, 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 oh, ding. Oh, <laughs> I mean, 100%. Yeah. My favorite place to find faithfulness is in Scripture. Yes. Um, I know that's what I'm supposed to say, but it's also true. It's like, a really look, fun game to play because right? it's so, yeah, it's everywhere. Just tracing his faithfulness mm-hmm. over the generations, but also really taking time to reflect on where he has been faithful in the past in my boys' lives, right? When I'm struggling with things in parenting, I have teenagers, it's getting real up in here. Yeah. Um, and just tracing yeah. his faithfulness and, and noticing where there is faithfulness. I'm really, really being intentional about, Lord, that decision He just made, that thing He just said, the way that He just opened up His hands in prayer in the service, like those are your daily reminders to me that you are at work. That even when I don't see proof, your Holy Spirit is at work in my kids' lives. And so intentionally looking for evidence of His work that I can so easily kind of just skip over or trace over, we have to be intentional sometimes. So... Yeah. We do. We do. We do. Oh, that's so good. I needed to hear that. Thank you for sharing it. <laughs> yeah, um, friends, we're going to well, keep thank you reading. for having me. Always. This was such a delight. It feels like it's so overdue. So I'm so glad yeah, that you could be so with us today. To me. Thank you. Um, friends, we're going to keep reading in this Gospel of John. We are we're in week two. We have three more weeks to go. Next week... Our lovely friend Ann Voskamp will be with us. You will not want to miss it. Anne is a joy. And until next week, Jeannie, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles.